0: And it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels. And you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know
1: what you think. Thanks. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash MPN to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash MPN. Terms and conditions apply. I think the entrepreneurial
2: spirit is like, you know, once you create something, I don't think the creative or launching process ever stops. It's it's just it iterates from I'm building and launching a business to now like, hey, let's re- refine this part of the business or this function or this department, and then boom, do it and then delegate it and go to the next thing, right? And, mm-hmm. and what's the next venture? So it, it's kind of internal now, but the business itself is definitely bigger than what I've imagined and bigger myself, which I'm, I'm very prideful of. Nice, nice,
1: Nice. 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 Nice.
0: Nice. Nice with
2: Dave Delaney.
0: Welcome to the next podcast, all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. I'm your host, Dave Delaney from futureforth.com, where we help fast-growing tech companies retain talent, improve culture, so you have happier, more connected teams. Today, I'm speaking with Brad Ebenhoe, CEO and partner of Accountfully, a modern outsourced accounting solution. Brad, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Looking forward to it, Dave. I always love chatting about uh, business and Communication, Everything you're going to your about it, it's, uh, it's on the forefront of employees' minds these days and team members' minds. So.
0: Definitely, definitely. I'm going to get right into that. I have one quick question I always start with, which is, what's the nicest thing someone has done for you recently?
2: Wow. <laughs> um, it probably wouldn't be my kids telling me that I got gray hair. Um,
0: that's <laughs> probably not a good
2: thing. But, <laughs> um I would say that it is uh, probably my wife, who's my business partner, just kind of providing some coverage for me over this weekend to kind of get some past due tasks off my plate that were seriously stressing me out. Uh, but so, uh, so because of that, I'm I'm going to the work week here, feeling really good.
0: Excellent. So yeah, Meredith is your COO and and partner in the business. Tell me, uh, I know. Tell me a little bit about how you guys met. You met in Chicago, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I'm from Michigan. She's from Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, um, we both went to college for accounting and ended up at a, one of the big accounting firms, big corporate firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, um, and uh, worked in Chicago. And then we met um, working on a client account there. And um, so we started working together and then, um, you know, started hanging out and dating, and and uh, did all that in Chicago in our kind of mid to early 20s and loved life and um, enjoyed it. But over, over time, um, the corporate accounting world kind of was uh, too much for both of us and just the overhead of uh, corporate world and traveling and getting on airplanes and, yeah. you know, um, just kind of got burnt out. And that was probably 2008, 2009 time frame. It's kind of when we all met and did all that in Chicago. It was, it was great times, but it was time to move on after that.
0: And so you moved, uh, you moved from there to North Carolina first, right? And then South Carolina, tell me about that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we moved down to, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and I, um, became kind of a controller accountant for a family of wine businesses, um, in Charlotte. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I've always, I'm from the Midwest Michigan and kind of Chicago and always wanted to move South for the weather. Um, and so (laughs) we both moved down there and, um, I got my first experience with small business and understanding how to manage inventory and cash flow issues of small businesses and all that stuff. Because when you're working in the in the corporate world, you don't ever have any visibility to any of that. So
0: yeah,
2: um, so yeah we moved out of Charlotte and uh, and then uh, we were in Charlotte for about a year and didn't really vibe with the, the Charlotte at the time, which was again, it was about 10 years ago. I know it's dramatically changed now, mm. um, but we ended up driving down to uh, Charleston and Savannah for a long weekend and ended up loving um, Charleston, South Carolina and fell in love with it. We moved here about two months, three months later and that's been our home for 11 years.
0: That's awesome, I love that. Yeah, and it's a beautiful, beautiful area for sure. What What part of Michigan are you from?
2: Uh, Mid-Michigan, like uh, Flint area, basically, yeah. um, Flint and then I went to Michigan State. So, mid-middle of Michigan um, and then after college at Michigan State, I lived outside of Detroit for a couple of years, so. Um, and my, uh, family, my parents, my brother, and a lot of my cousins, grandparents are still basically back in my hometown. Um, still there. And I, I take me and the family back up there in the summertime, um, every year, because that's when you should be in Michigan in the summertime.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny actually. So my wife's uncle is from that neck of the woods and, uh, I'm from Toronto originally and have lived in Nashville for about fifteen years. And so for whatever reason, you know, as a good Canadian lad in Ontario, you you would just go south if you're gonna go somewhere into the States, typically you would go south to somewhere warmer preferably um so i've never really explored michigan much and uh and a couple summers ago he invited us to they had a place uh lake uh Shava, Sh- Sh- Shalahoy, something like that Char- up charlevoix charlevoix and i was like holy crap it's gorgeous like yeah i mean it's it's really a, a pretty area um uh, just yeah right.
2: yeah it's beautiful yeah, Northern Michigan in the summertime is awesome with the lakes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, um, I frequented, frequented, uh, you know, Windsor and 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 all the things when I was nineteen, twenty. <laughs> college,
0: <as you> can <laughs> Let later. me think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, we took
2: a lot of road trips from East Lansing down to the uh, uh, to Canada. Five yeah. Times.
0: Yeah, I've got friends with uh, a couple a couple friends with bars in in uh, Windsor, and uh, yeah, and they and they actually spend a lot of time in Detroit as well. Detroit's such a cool cool city as well. It so yeah. interesting. And uh, Michael Moore fans, I mean, come on, uh, Flint, not really? No, Flint is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, Flint uh, is. I mean, my my
2: dad, <laughs> uh, my dad worked at GM for thirty years in General Motors, and yeah. retired years ago. So. Um, but yeah, we went all through it. My family, but where I'm from is a really small town, but 20 minutes outside of that. So you either, you know, work at GM or you work at, a uh, or a farmer. So, yeah. um, you know, all those, the last 20 years, 25 years of unions and all the impact economically of GM has really, you know, changed my you know hometown and all that stuff. So,
0: yeah, for sure. For sure. Interesting. So, and you moved South. So, and your wife, you said Meredith is from Nashville. Is that right?
2: that is right yep um she's got her parents live there in franklin and uh her uh sister and uh live in 12 south so and then mm. we have an office there in nashville so um nashville's awesome we were there two weeks ago when it snowed so it was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, can't escape you. I know I know uh-huh. we always joke we live in kind of a cul-de-sac neighborhood on the top of a hill, and I always joke that you know when it's when we have a ton of snow on the or not a ton, but when we have enough snow on the ground, and my family and I get out and get the sleds out and start sledding down the hill that our neighbors are like, see the Canadians in their natural habitat <laughs> <laughs> as we yeah, my, slide past their homes.
2: hilarious, yeah our four, four and a half year old twins. That was the first time actually um, playing in snow and sledding. So it was awesome.
0: So you started accountfully in January of 2012 with Meredith uh, as your CEO and partner. What, what made you decide to start a business together?
2: Um, well, because we have a similar skill set. I mean, we, um, you know, as we were, like i was i was more focused on it originally mm. the business and consulting business i mean meredith was she was kind of doing some like health coaching and some other aspects but she was engaged as well but as i uh, as we were kind of trying to figure out like hey we're going to do this entrepreneurial thing and we're going to do this cool topic and consulting and all this type of stuff right you're trying to figure out like, what you're trying to sell mm. and then all of a sudden something sticks with some customers or clients and then you start growing right and you need you know you, you need more uh, time and energy to do the work and then after we kind of caught on a couple of items we saw there was a possibility of of this company growing to to an aspect it was like all right meredith here's the deal we're young we're about to get married by our first house um you know there's two options here now like i'm expanding too much with where i can do all the work you're doing a little bit can you mm. allocate more time? Because either that, I need to hire somebody. So it makes sense to keep the money in the household while we're going a small business, and yeah. you know, and 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 not making a ton of money in, in those first kind of hustle years, as as most entrepreneurs know. And so it kind of was a right of uh, uh, let's do this, and then it just started taking off. And, and with us, with our similar mindset and skill set and background, it just made sense for us to kind of roll together in it. And then there's definitely ups and downs of working together and everything, but after a while I mean we kind of got a good workflow and that's been 11 years so uh, but yeah I think it was kind of more out of like a necessity of hey this is this this aspect or this service is growing and we both are accountants let's just do it together and this is our life you know
0: and you have offices as you said you, I mean obviously you your uh, your HQ is in Charleston and then you opened an office in Nashville um, how has the pandemic been affecting things as far as, uh, as far as a brick and mortar, as far as having an office and having staff traditionally at that office, what's, what's that been like for you?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been interesting. So first off, like our client service delivery, um, did not change at all. Mm. Um, we basically uh, provide outsourced accounting services to small businesses across the nation. And we've always used cloud-based tools, even mm. like QuickBooks Online, build.com. Um And we've done that since we started providing the service like a decade ago, you know, as soon as those platforms came out. So that wasn't a change. Mm. What was a change clearly was the, the work environment where, you know, people had to either be in Charleston or Nashville and you had to be at the office every day. And, you know, we'd allow work from home two to three days a month, right, upon mm. approval and then kind of quarantine hit and all that stuff went crazy and so basically for definitely like you know kind of a month and a half two months everybody was working from home then after that I mean living in South Carolina and Tennessee it's a little bit different than some of the other states that have more restrictions Um, we basically opened up the offices and just said you guys can come whenever you want you know if you want to come to work great if you want to stay at home great No, no big deal and so we did that for a year and you know people would keep you know, a handful of people would come back to work, or maybe two or three days a week, and things like that at the office. But you know, there was a decent chunk that stayed at home and work, which was fine. So, um, after a while, we basically required, and this is kind of our policy now: is if you're in the Charleston and Nashville market, you basically need to work from um, the office Tuesday through Thursday, mm-hmm. and then um, we can work from Mondays and Fridays. And if something comes up Tuesday through Thursday or similar situation is, it's not like we're going to say no. It's just going to kind of needs prior approval. And the reason we did that is just so we can get kind of a work culture back and, and learning and training. We're, we're a fast growing company and it's really hard to, to learn and engage and create that relationship with new employees or new team members, like, you know, virtually Yeah, um, virtual work is fantastic. I love it. I love working from home Mondays and Fridays. I'm at my house right now. Um, but being at the office and just face-to-face conversations, it just, it just works better um, from our perspective. Right. So, so that's number one it's changing that aspect um and then number two we've because we're growing so fast um we basically i think we're about we hired we grew probably 15 people last year net I, I, I think and at about 53 54 ish mm. um finding talent is crazy right now i mean it's nuts so um People that live in Charleston and Nashville now can have jobs anywhere across the nation because everybody's basically allowing remote work. Mm. But it's similar, right? Now you can actually get awesome talent in Charleston, South Carolina, without people moving here or in in Nashville. So basically, we've essentially gone where we're hiring full remote people as well now. So essentially, our, our, our talent recruitment is full remote or as well as in Nashville uh in the Nashville market as well as in the Charleston market. And we're basically hiring in all three locations, you know, locations remote and um you know, uh, quotations. So basically I think we have about 35, let's say, in Charleston, 10 in Nashville, 10 remote, full remote workers and and I think that's going to be the the case long term, just keep looking at all markets.
0: And I know it's early days in this sort of new new model of, of, you know, working from home, remote working, at least it is for most, most companies really. Are you concerned with the long-term effect of culture as a, you know, as it certainly applies to those who are working remotely, like all the time, like those 10 that are not, I mean, it's not possible for them to come in each day or the, or the Tuesday through Thursday.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a huge concern because. Um, just because you know, your, your first month or two in a new job can like make or break it. Right. So you have to be very careful of onboarding and super touch and making sure that they're plugged in. Right. So before we kind of went to that model, I guess there's a couple things we do. Number one is like, no matter where you're at, like week one of working at a company, you come to the Charleston office, we have kind of start dates, right. Where you have like last Tuesday, we had four people start, you know, one, two in the Charleston market. One from Arizona, one from Louisiana, right, and they all started the same day, went through the same onboarding plan, so it's just like a good culture starter. You get to come to Charleston, hang out with the team, we have a happy hour and all that stuff, right? That's good, yeah. um, which I think really helps. And number yeah, two, so you get it. And then number two is um, we've kind of recreated or relaunched an employee um, onboarding kind of development training module, right, where. It wasn't as as streamlined and tied down four months ago as it is now. So basically, we have like a senior manager on our team that leads it. We've kind of re or updated kind of uh, the first kind of week or two of their engagement or of their 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 uh, uh, employment here. Mm-hmm. We kind of really had focused conversations and focused trainings on what they really need to know. Um, you know, for what we do, as well as have different team members involved in the process. So. I think by those two aspects, they get much more face to face than they typically would. Um, and then after that, they're kind of getting specific training and then meeting um, other personnel. Like, hey, this training and you know, day five or day six is led by our accounting manager in the Boston market. You know, things like that. So they right. get more face to face interaction. And then I think that that helps um, them with that. With that being said, the last, uh, the last. Uh, job position we went full remote was pure staff accountant so we had senior accountants managers etc like where we're like we can go remote we can find you know mature people and, and people that have good experience that can do this and we know they'll get the work done but we've always been you know conscious about the the Staff account, i.e., the, the folks that are out of college a couple years and not as experienced, not as mature from a professional standpoint, because we've all been there, yeah. Um, and so yeah. we're like, it'd be better for them to be in our markets. But guess what? Like, again, you know, the labor market's saying what it is, and we're growing, so we need to hire people. So now we're at that aspect, and you know, so we're just going to kind of try to make sure there's proper controls and oversight, you know, as well over them, just to kind of make sure people are getting their job done, you know, they're, they're, they're learning, they're getting their trainings done, they're communicating properly. They're doing our internal systems as well. So, um, so all TBD, um, and I'm sure there'll be things that we mess up and I'm sure there'll you know, be things that we improve upon and we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, no, that, that sounds, that sounds awesome. And yeah, I, I think onboarding is such an important part that so, so often gets missed just because, yeah, I think the like the average duration of a new employee is like 45 days before they quit if if the onboarding process isn't where it needs to be and so the fact that you're focusing on that and pivoting it, you know, as you need to again given sort of where we are now and that that helps a lot. Now I read a little bit about how you also spend time coaching employees. Do you want to share a little bit about that process? What that's like?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, um, again, it's now that we're so many people, we've really decentralized our approach. Right. Because it's just so hard to to know everybody now. Um, Mm. But, you know, in the past, we definitely had, um, you know, director level people or partners like myself and my wife, Meredith, and accounting director Chris, like, you know, be more hands on with with our team members. Right. So everybody gets a direct manager or a direct direct report manager as well as like a new hire buddy new hire bodies more at their, their staff level. But um, for those that are, um, you know, at the, uh, at the manager level, you know, coaching them on their processes, their workflow, their education, their, you know, reviewing their deliverables, their financials, coaching them in terms of how they coach others, right? Or train others, depending upon their position. So it's, it's definitely much a, um, um, a hands-on approach at accountfully as much as, as, as it can be.
0: And as far as the new hire buddy goes, uh, you mentioned you know partnering them with someone else on their team. Is there, are there other uh, characteristics you're looking for in in budding up uh, a new hire with someone else? I like, I love that idea, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's clever.
2: Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's like definitely physical, right? Location. If you're in Charleston, be good to have a Charleston, Nashville, Nashville, so you can kind of can I get that face to face, go out for coffee or whatever. But. Um, but uh, outside of that, you know, if there's any specific uh, experiences that they can relate with, it'd be good, right? Like, hey, if they're a tax person, maybe a tax person. If they're inventory specialty, do that, you know, those types of things. Um, there, there's a little nuance in terms of, you know, um, us kind of understanding from the interview process, this person could vibe really well with this team member from a personality standpoint. Hmm. But outside of that, sometimes it just comes down to, Who's available and you know who 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 doesn't have a buddy or whatever um, for sure. that aspect and who do we think will be you know a good job and that person's just that informal work relationship that you can ask the dumb questions or the embarrassing things of yeah. you know versus going to the, your boss or the manager that you may have a little bit more of a uh, you know like apprehension to go to so it's a good little kind of friend buddy. Somebody that, you know, has been through this the last six, nine, 12 months of, oh, yeah, I had that same problem or I had that same question or, hey, is yeah. the one thing that I didn't know when I onboarded that, you know, you should know. So it's it's kind of uh, in that realm.
0: Yeah. no, And I, I love that idea. I think it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a great one. And I like the fact that you're, you know, you're able to, to hire folks, you know, both in both markets and then, and then, you know, elsewhere as well. Do you guys ever all come together like for a retreat or anything like that or?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we did last, uh, we actually, it's hilarious when we were, uh, probably 10 people Hmm. and we just launched the national market. Like five six years ago, we actually flew everybody from Charleston to Nashville, and we like rented an Airbnb, um, nice. twelfth South, and it was fantastic. Went out on Broadway and and had a great time. And that was actually right in early February. So it was after January, and after ten ninety nine year end stuffs, but mm-hmm. that was great. So that was like the first official time. And then after that, we were we did one three four years ago, and then we were going to do it annually. And then COVID hit, and that kind of put a pause on it for a year. But uh, this past year, we did a i think september october we actually did a retreat here in charleston where everybody came from across the nation nashville everywhere where we had a, a cool little breakout um kind of you know team event um uh, some stuff that we had at the office or you know some kind of informal work uh, meetings and things like that and then a, a time for us all to, oh a volunteer time frame is a, a, a volunteer invite and then a um uh, you know, a time to go out on the town in Charleston and have a good time, like a big party to meet and meet everybody. So we did that. It was awesome. Um, we're definitely uh, looking forward to doing that again, kind of every year, which we'll probably do. Like, like I said, late Q3, early Q4, um, and try to get everybody here just for, and from an annual perspective.
0: Yeah. I think the retreats are, are, you know, seem to do really well just because you are bringing people together. When I do, you know, workshops or speak at retreats. I find that that's always such a good thing also because it brings people, uh, you know, as you said, when they're, when they're based elsewhere, it brings them together so they can also experience the same thing in person, which is also, I think really impactful. It's kind of like a conference in a way because, or conference, a good conference, I should say, you know, Mm -hmm. because you go to a good conference and you make friends for life uh, and you all share, you know, similar experiences uh, also a reason why I love like a single track conference because everybody in the audience experiences the same, uh, speaker. And so they have that point to talk uh, about over lunch, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I watched your, uh, disrupt, uh, talk by the way, which I thought was great, uh, about building something bigger than yourself. I thought that was such a good takeaway. Um, and I know that's from a few years ago, uh, Is that something you still stand by? Is that something you still, you know, kind of a a thought that you keep, that you still share with folks?
2: Yeah. um, Like it's interesting because, and actually last uh, Thursday was our official, like, I guess, legal 10 year, like anniversary or birthday of accountfully. Mm. um, Which literally we had our, uh, our quarterly town hall, that afternoon and i was kind of like our marketing person put like a, a 10 year timeline just was you know a slide some random pictures and literally i started talking about it and started choking up because i was like oh my god like look at what I, look what we built you know yeah and it was kind of like a uh, just a crazy experience because i i literally remember the um the first kind of my one of my first memories of of being in flashbacks like launching accountfully, I remember like as a, basically like a bookkeeping or accounting consultant, like, you know, the, the, the software that you typically use is QuickBooks for small businesses. Right. Sure. And I read this book, short QuickBooks consulting book back in 2012, let's say, and it was always, it says it was like, the key is building a business where literally it's like not Brad Ebenhoe Consulting. It's actually a brand name. And there's people just don't come to this company and say, Hey, Brad, help me. And I always kind of remember that. And I was like, God, I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. Like, I don't think we will. It's always going to be Brad and Meredith. Who's my wife and business partner, Brad and Meredith, Brad and Meredith. Right. And then literally just like, you know, a couple years later, next thing you know, it's like 10 of us and it's accountfully and it's, you know, people would ask me a question. I'd be like, I have no idea who you are. You know, (laughs) oh, like I'm Michael's client. Like you got to talk to Michael. And it was just like one of those you know, epiphanies of like, wow, this is definitely bigger than what I expected. And and even the venture we're at now, we're at like 55 people and, you know, and four people, five people start each month or six people. And, you know, and I've, I've only met not met them all, you know, so it's it's just like this is this craziness of that. But it goes back to that. I think the entrepreneurial spirit is like, you know, once you create something I don't think the creative or launching process ever stops. It's it's just it iterates from I'm building and launching a business to now like, hey, let's refine this part of the business or this function or this department and then boom, do it and then delegate it and go to the next thing. Right. And Mm -hmm. and what's the next venture? So it's kind of internal now, but the business itself is definitely bigger than what i ever imagined and bigger myself, which I'm, I'm very prideful of.
0: Where are you as far as, you know, focusing, obviously you're focusing on the numbers. I would expect, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I believe that would be in your DNA. Uh, So where, where is it when you're not hitting those numbers? Like, how do you deal, deal with that? I mean, you know, I, I find setting goals and making sure that you're, you're keeping focused and making sure those, those, you know, goals are, you know, quote unquote, smart, acronym goals where you're measuring Mm -hmm. what's happening. Um, So how do you handle not always seeing the numbers exactly where you want them to be?
2: Yeah, I think I feel, I feel as if the way that we run our business is definitely very like black and white and, and, you know, measurable um, as we're accountants as, as as you just basically stated. Yeah. And I feel like (laughs) my, my wife, and i who essentially ran every aspect of the business and you know where i'm the ceo now kind of manage sales and marketing and oversee kind of several departments um whereas she's the coo does you know the operations client you know economics profitability yada yada, yada right mm. um so we have kind of separate functions and departments that basically i have 100 percent confidence she's gonna do her job she's 100 confidence i'm gonna do my job and hit our marks within our specific um, uh, functions. And with that being said, we do basically in terms of where we're at, because we we're in a really good growth pattern, and we're growing very organically, and, and it's good. Um, the problem comes in is like, I feel like every time we don't hit a metric, um, it's because it's some sort of new department or function, that I don't think that we've properly created or measured or understand how to succeed in that department. Hmm. And I think that's where like, you know, when that happens, I get stressed out, and highly stressed, because I don't have, uh, it, it's, it's really hard for me to not have Control over something, um, and by that I mean not because I want to babysit or micromanage. But if I can't have control over, let's say, hey, we need to hire six people this month, and we only hire three, I'm like, well, what can we do more? How can I help you? What is it like? What, what you know? What are the solutions to get us to the next level? Yeah. Um, similar, like on our tax department, if somebody else is running it or managing it, a tax person. But then I'm like, well, why have you not hit the number of tax returns we should hit this month? Well, it's this, this, and that. And I feel like, you know what? I don't think I've gotten the my hands around the process or the metrics or the systems or the workflow yet, right? So it's kind of like, all right, I'm gonna jump over here. Let's figure out how it's going. Let's yeah. make sure we have a good process and workflow and systems and the data that talks to each other and that we're very efficient. And then what are the metrics we're gonna hit? So I think for me, it's much more of like, if I'm not hitting it, it's really focusing, understanding what's going on why we're not hitting it and then implementing better systems proactively up front. But then also like what are the, the key metrics we need to be reviewing and how often do we need to be reviewing it so then we don't fall off the
0: rails? Mm, yeah, it makes sense. What about unplugging and, and and uh, you know, I, I, and I imagine not to pry into your personal lives. I, I only asked some of this, too, because my, my wife, uh, is not my business partner. However, you know, we have perhaps aspirations for that one day, but you know, there is a possibility she could kill me. Uh, so based on that, how, how do you guys handle? And we also, we have, we have two kids. Uh, now our kids are sort of, our kids are 15 and 16. So they're, they're, they're at the age now where, you know, they really don't care if we're here or not. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so, but, but how do you, how do you, how do you spend some time uh, unplugging? Are you able to unplug, uh, from the business? I mean, to enjoy some downtime or to relax yeah, or think, to, yeah, I think we,
2: we set up our business pretty good where we can kind of, you know, work the, the typical like full-time week, but still get away. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, I I typically work, I work full time. I work, you know, 40, 45 hours a week, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is always, she works 25 to 35 hours a week and then she's pregnant. So we're having another baby here oh, nice. next month. Congrats. But, thank you. Um, but because of our kind of schedules and we've always kind of focused on making sure like we're not working on the weekends and we're, you know, our kids are, our current kids are four and a half year old twins and yeah. making sure we're in the morning engaging with them in the evening engaging with them and you know all that stuff and being present so you know with our kids it's it's really been i think easier to unplug to be honest with you because it's force unplugged where before (laughs) before we had kids you know i I would say we probably worked our ass off a lot more and on weekends and stuff but you have a lot more time and on top of that that was like you know year four and five of the business that we're trying to grow right so um, but now, no, we, I mean, we, you know, we have like dedicated kind of every Friday we go out and connect, um, uh, you know, with dinner and our nanny kind of watches our ch- children and then we try to take a couple trips a year, but, um, there's times like I don't even want to think about work on the weekends or on vacations. So, you know, we, we try to do as good as we can and, and respect each other's boundaries. But at times, like I'll say something business related and she's annoyed, <laughs> she'll say something business related. I'm annoyed because I'm right. uh, I'm sitting by the pool or we're on a beach walk and like I, I don't really care about team member one or client two you know and it's like yeah. but it is what it is and it's a lifestyle it's just we've gotten used to it and I think we've segmented as good as we can um, and, and you know that's your departmental focus that's mine and then you know at that point um, you know we didn't create this business to, to work 60-70 hours and I'd rather hire great talent people to kind of help us facilitate and grow it And and that's what we've done and that's what we're going to keep trying to do
0: Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I love the fact that you're you're both on the same page that way, and that you're able to to uh, to unplug and and enjoy uh, enjoy the work that you're doing as well, and and uh, and the benefits from that. And two, uh, and so four and a half year old twins, and then your your next kiddo uh, coming soon. So that's that's wild. Uh, What have what's that been like as far as like balancing? Being uh, being a parent as well as uh, as growing a business,
2: it's been crazy. Um, the mm-hmm. first thing it did though is like when we had uh, our first kids, like four and a half, five years ago, like it made us again start to delegate more and hire more, right? Of like the the you know, there's, I need to hire somebody to do this job. So it actually was the first time my wife had kids and she went on you know, maternity leave for three months and I took a couple weeks off. We were like, all right, let's get the team members in here so they can take care of the business while we're gone. And and, and we did. Yes. And similarly now with our next kid, it's, you know what? My wife does this in this operation. So she's not gonna be here three months. All right, we need to hire a full-time operations person. So we need to do this, we need to do that. And how do we set ourselves up for success? So then when they we come back into the business or like when she does specifically, she'll be gone for three months, it's kind of a new phase for her and more strategic every time, right? Because mm-hmm. now we've delegated and, and got that out of the way. Um, so it's actually forced us to, I think, play our hand more and to be more strategic and and, and more proactive in, in hiring people and and having kind of deadline dates that this needs to be done by this date and delegated, um, which is great um, for that aspect. And then, um, you know, the, at the same time we've had kids, you know, we keep growing and there's different... Phases and strategic aspects of the business that you know that need our attention um, that we again just have to kind of re- reset our, our focus on and, and go from there.
0: As far as uh, you know, growing account fully um, to to you know fifty plus plus people, how are you um, are you able to keep them all sort of in communication with one another? A lot of the time, like, are they able to? Are you using like a like a Slack or, or some mm-hmm. sort of technology to, to help folks? I know you, you started with a cloud based kind of business anyway, but what what sort of tech are you using to help keep people connected?
2: Yeah, um, definitely Slack. Uh, we use and we've used for you know the last what five, six, seven years or whatever, mm. which has been great. And we have different channels for different you know people in Nashville, people in Charleston, our remote team, you know, different communities that we can chat on and, and all that stuff. And, you know, and I, I think uh, that's number one. And number two is, um, you know, every, every team member, like, the, like our, our billable team members our accountants that actually do client work. If let's say there's 40 to 45 of them, you know, they're, they are all on eight to 10 to 12 to 15 clients or even more depending upon their staff level and then each of those clients has client teams so then there's within you know the the function of just being at accountfully physically at these offices or remotely then you're also within these 15 client teams that have their own Slack channel that then can discuss constantly about uh, uh you know to-dos and questions client specific um as well as then then you have your aspect of staff accountant level senior accountant level right so there's a lot of different kind of levels uh, in departments or divisions within account And i think slack's a great way that we do that as well as we use asana for our task and project management software so everybody's fully engaged in there mm-hmm. and then we use google meet basically or google hangouts for all of our versus zooms because it's integrated with our our gmail you yeah know, for for uh quick calls and things like that so we leverage it in a good manner um, for all that those things, and then outside of that, then you have the the manager team and above meet you know weekly on things and and all that stuff. Where the staff level typically doesn't, but but we're trying to to keep you know people focused and and, and do different trainings each month on you know at the senior level, at the staff level to get people kind of engaged in a bigger room that's not just um, you know client focused every month, or, you know.
0: Right, yeah, no, that makes sense. The as far as like culture goes, and and I know that's something that's been a big priority of yours, really since beginning because you didn't want to be sort of your your typical suit and tie kind of cubicle hell accountant accounting firm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> my words, not yours, but something to that effect. Um, are there other? And I assume there are. There, what are the other companies? that inspired you, uh, from a sort of culture point of building a building accountfully different?
2: Um, I would say that I think a lot of my, our inspiration for accountfully is basically the anti-corporate world. I, I feel like I, I got out of, um, I got out of like PwC mm. and I just hated it. Like, I, I mean, the people were great. Most of them were great, but I was like, the way that they just treat people and talent, they come in, you work 50 to 60 hours a week, and then half the people leave within two years to go at a different job and half to stay. And I'm like, this doesn't seem like it's a very fun venture. Like, you literally go there and you expect to be gone in a couple of years. Like, everybody does. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, you're not on the partner track. You're going, you know, and it's just like, it feels like it's a waste of money and a time from just an employer standpoint, from a company standpoint. Um so like, I feel like that was a big inspiration in terms of, I really don't want to be like this. I want, there's a ton of cool accountants that I work with or worked with that want a cool job and then they just want to come to work. And does it really matter if you're dressed with a tie or a suit or does it matter just how you present yourself um, verbally and and in and, and, and the work product you're doing? And, and that was a big part of it. And then um, over time, like you know, we, we kept getting involved at the, the start of a company within more of the creative industry here in Charleston, which there's a lot of like marketing companies, video production companies and different things like that architects. And, um, you know, we're all kind of cool and hip and all that type of stuff. So we were trying to brand or connect ourselves with them. Right. And, mm. and when I came up with or when we'd walk up with a pair of jeans and a nice button up and tennis shoes or whatever, boots. And they're like, Oh, you're an accountant. Wow. I didn't even picture you being an accountant. You (laughs) you can talk, you're cool. You drink some beer with us, you know, whatever. So, so that I think the inspiration just kept going. Wow. There's something here. There's, there's a, there's a market for the 25 to 40 year old entrepreneur who runs a small business who requires the use of an accountant, whether it's a bookkeeper, whether it's a tax person, somebody needs to do it or whether they do it themselves or not. Mm. But there's a the, the accounting clearly industry is stereotyped of stuffiness and and don't respond to me when it's tax season and all this stuff that was like wow if you just like treat this person like a normal person and act like you know kind of a respectful adult they're kind of gonna and, and cool and, and on their vibe they're gonna be like wow these are cool accountants i want i want them to be my accountant yeah it's just kind of like uh it was just kind of an easy sale process um, as you went there, because we were just being ourselves. And and then we're like, yeah, we'll go ahead and figure that out so or do that stuff for you. And that's what we've we've done as we've gone forward from a culture standpoint. We've continued to do that, which I think was a huge aspect of our growth. And our team members, you know, love working here. And then like COVID hit and it was just kind of like, you know, the qu- folks who stayed at home and were more stressed out about COVID versus other folks, like, you know, th- there was a bad experience for people because they were like, well, this wasn't the same. And it's like, You've been stuck in your house for nine months. Like I, like everything in that life is different. It's not a fault. Like right, you know. So, but 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 a lot of employers got the brunt of that, and so, um, you know, it sucked because like uh, we focus a lot of time and energy on our culture and, you know, making sure our employees feel, you know, that culture and 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 that they enjoy accounting is not always fun. Um, but that they enjoy, you know, the people and can crack open a a glass of wine or a beer like on a Thursday afternoon while they're working and just connect with their team members. Well, that kind of went away for a minute. So yeah, uh, way to kind of re, 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 uh, refocus on that. But I think everybody did. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where we came from, from a culture standpoint.
0: And I like that you've decided the, having the sort of Tuesday through Thursday work week that you know, for those who are in the same office or you're, you know, in, in the office having, because I know of other companies that I've both consulted with and spoken for as well, who, you know, tried things different ways at first tried, like letting people come in when they want and, and finding that that just won't work. I, I don't think long-term just because if, if, certain people come in only on Tuesdays and others only come in on Mondays, they may never meet each other. You know what I mean? Mm. So I I like, I like the way you've gone with that. And the fact that you've, you've treated it more like a, in a way, sort of like a boutique agency in a sense and more of a creative sort of approach to it. And I think, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Ben Landers, who's the CEO of blue Corona on this podcast a while back. And Ben was talking about, this moment when he was working for a large firm and he was like in the ta- the corporate tower and he was stepping into the elevator and a colleague from uh he was stepping into the elevator somebody else was standing there with a coffee and like a colleague kind of grabbed him by the you know back of the suit jacket and yanked him back out of the elevator like dude and then the doors closed and he's like you can't get in there with him it was like one of the senior people and mm. you weren't allowed to ride in the elevator with him <laughs> you know and I think I think those days are really uh, you know on yeah, the way on the way out finally which uh, which is a good thing all right let me move to our lightning round I want to be respectful of your time here so complete this sentence nice guys and gals finish
2: first long term
0: I love it what's a nice book you recommend to the nice makers
2: who know how who know how who not how? Oh, who not how? I don't. And Dave Sullivan. Okay, nice. Yeah, it's just about delegating versus trying to figure it out yourself.
0: Yes, yes, important important information that every uh, entrepreneur needs to know for sure. Yes. Uh, how is Brad nice to himself? Um. <laughs>
2: I'm kind of a perfectionist. I would say I'm nice to myself that I, uh, I, gosh, that's a tough question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. Take your time. Um,
2: how am I nice to myself? I think I, uh, I cut myself slack in terms of, um, and it's kind of goes back to how do you unplug? I think weekends I try to stay unplugged and and give myself free time and just allow myself to relax without thinking about work because that's really the time I need to to kind of re re inspire myself and just to refresh myself. So I would say I'm nice to myself really like on the weekends and stuff. And I try to just, you know, have some personal time that's not just focused on business and stress and just really allows me to defrag a bit.
0: That's awesome. And it's good that you're doing that. Do you a side note here? Do you communicate that to your team? Like, do you, do they know, like I had a boss a million years ago, like Blackberry days. I, we're, I was just talking about this in another episode and he had, uh, an auto reply on his email that said, I'm not available from, uh, I won't respond to your email from nine. I, I checked my email twice a day, 9am and 4pm. And if you need me urgently, you know, please call me. Um, are there ways that you set expectations that way or let your team know that, you know, hey, Saturdays and Sundays, I'm not available or, or anything like that? Yeah, I think I think it's pretty
2: well uh, known um, because the majority of our team basically doesn't do anything on the weekends or after hours typically. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of nice as the ex- we set that expectations with them of like, hey, this is not the traditional accounting firm, you know, 40 hours a week. We, and, you know, also what we do is we do like, um, all year long, we go like two o'clock Friday. So as long as you get your time, you know, your are 40 in and your work done, you can leave at two o'clock every Friday. So mm. like everybody typically is kind of off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is great. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's the expectation and that really helps kind of talent um, understanding it. And I mean, employees have all the leverage right now. So the, the best you can do to keep them from working when they don't want to work, the better.
0: Yeah. Good point. And I like the fact that you kind of turn that around to not like my question was, you know, how, how do you communicate that you're not available? But the point is, is, and and as you, as you rightfully said, you know, it's really the team knowing when Mm. not to connect or when not to, you know, bother the rest of the team. It's not just you. It's like, let everybody off for the weekend, please. Exactly. I love it. Okay. If you had a billboard, what would it say?
2: You are the CEO of
0: your own life. Nice. I like that. That's awesome. Brad, thank you so much for joining me today. How can folks get a hold of you or learn more or look for a job? Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> accountfully.com. Um, accountfully, our Instagram, our LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. Um, go there. Um, I, I, think, I think you'll, if you're looking for a job specifically in your account, go check out our Instagram and well, we're not the same. We got great, cool branding and we have some great kind of content and and we work with some of the coolest clients around. So um, I would say do that. And um, if you need to send me, send an email, feel free to send an email to brad.accountfully.com and I'll be in touch.
0: Awesome. Thanks again for joining me.
2: Awesome. It was a great day. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I would love to include your voice on the show. If you have comments or questions regarding this episode or any episode, whether you might have some nice communications tips of your own, visit friend.nicepodcast.co. There you can record an audio comment and... I expect you'll hear it on an upcoming episode. Theme song is Little Jane May, and the end song is Funny Feeling by Alistair Crystal at alistercrystal.ca. And we'll see you next time. Be nice.